This is Music Ed Amplified. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Music Ed Amplified podcast. This is a place where music educators of all stripes can be ourselves, where we keep it real, even when it's tough, and where we lift each other up with talk about pedagogy, philosophy, practice, and issues of culture and anti-racism in our schools and rehearsal halls. To that end, I have a new JEDI training moment for today. That stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, a segment where I share something related to my own journey to become an anti-racist human and educator. It's probably a good time to mention, again, that I am not an expert in these topics. Rather, I'm just trying to be open about my own journey on becoming an anti-racist. So, Today, I want to talk about a conversation that I seem to be having over and over again. I went back and forth about making this more ambiguous, but I think I need to leave it as is, because on the off chance that this person is listening, maybe they'll learn something. I know I did. A while back, I shared a tweet on Facebook from Micah Edmondson, a black pastor and writer I greatly admire. His tweet said, quote, if we really want to welcome people of color in the church, we must stop treating anti-racism as if it's more dangerous than racism. Now, it's a long story that I'm not going to get into here, but this particular discussion is very important to me, as I fear that many white Christians use this tactic, that is, attacking the idea of anti-racism via critical race theory or Black Lives Matter as a way to move the focus from actually dealing with real racism in the church and putting the focus onto different methods people use for activism. I wanted to see what my Facebook friends, many of whom are members of a church, thought. I asked that people who might be instantly irritated upon reading would sit with the idea a little before responding defensively or dismissively. A friend of mine who is white in his 40s answered, not by addressing my question of, quote, do you think what this pastor is saying is true of the majority of white churches, but by talking about what he considered to be a rampant anti-white bias. He asserted a few times and in a few different ways that this perceived by him anti-white bias was just as bad as any anti-black bias. Now, friends, I am not even going to give that time here because it is simply not true on about five levels. Instead, I want to talk about how I believe this to be yet another example of the propensity so many, though not all, of us white and white presenting people have to be quick to speak and slow to listen, especially when it comes to issues of race. Instead of my friend saying to himself, hmm, I don't think what this black pastor is saying about churches is true. But why would he say that? Am I missing something? Is there possibly some truth to this? The response was instead a declaration. There is a new dangerous narrative being forwarded in our culture that white men are always wrong and racist and I'm not buying it. I asked him a few times to answer the question of my post, to answer what this black pastor was asserting, nothing else. He never did. I would like to propose that, while I cannot know with certainty, answering in this manner is potentially revealing of what was going on in his heart. In my own house, I am constantly talking about taking responsibility, even verbally, for our actions, naming them and our offenses out loud whenever necessary and appropriate. 
What I see so often, and I have been guilty of this myself, is an immediate defensiveness or deflecting shame, anger, or shutting down when people are confronted with racism and their potential place in it. I feel like learning to confront things honestly, even when they hurt our pride, is a huge step in the right direction when we have these conversations. If we could just move through the feelings of discomfort or defensiveness without resorting to immediate attack or leaving the conversation, we might be truly ready to hear the person speaking. So to all of us, starting with me, the proudest and often most defensive of us all, let's try to listen to the things that black, brown, indigenous, Asian, and people of color tell us without immediately imposing our thoughts and perspective. Let's acknowledge that we cannot know another human's lived experience, and then let's sit with what they're saying, think about it, and then honestly ask ourselves, how can I make this right? Or how can I change things? Is it me? Am I doing any of that? Where do I see others doing that? How can I make a difference? Let's change the world together, starting with ourselves. Today's interview is with famed teacher trainer Andy Heimlich. Andy has been an elementary music teacher in Carmel, Indiana for 28 years and an assistant choral director with the Indianapolis Children's Choir for 22 years. He graduated from Butler University with a Bachelor of Music degree in music ed and was awarded Outstanding Student Teacher. He completed the Kodai Certificate of Music Ed from Silver Lake College. He completed Orff Schulwerk Levels 1 and 2 at the University of St. Thomas and Level 3 at Anderson University. In 2006, he received the Indiana University School of Education Martha Lee and Bill Armstrong Teacher Educator Award. In 2021, he received the Indiana Music Education Association's Outstanding Elementary Educator Award. Andy is a founding member of FAME and currently serves as treasurer. He is a teacher trainer in both First Steps in Music and Conversational Solfege. Andy is a presenter and clinician at national and state music conventions and workshops. He and his wife, Lori, son, Jaron, and daughter, Jenna, live in Indianapolis. It was really good to catch up with Andy before the end of last year and hear how teaching during the pandemic was going for him. So, Andy Heimlich, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm so happy to see you. It's been a while since I've seen you and certainly a while since you were on the podcast. I'm excited to hear about how things are going for you this school year. So let's talk about uh, something that I'm talking about with every guest this season, and that is how COVID has impacted your district and your position. Obviously, there's not a job in education or really anywhere that hasn't been impacted. What were you guys doing in the beginning of the quarantine last spring? And what's the setup for this year compared to that? Thank you. Yeah, when we, you know, when the news was coming out that COVID was spreading across the United States, you know, we knew it was coming fast, but had no idea. And it was shocking. I mean, literally, you know, we're having, we're, I'm you know, having class and having rehearsal and we find out that, okay, Thursday, uh, we're closing down. You know, <laughs> right, we got, right. we got three days to, now, once that happened, they gave us about three more days to try to get things ready to start. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So our district, but it was just very surreal. You know, when I've been, I've been teaching for 27 years. This is, well, that last year would have been my 27th year. And it just was very odd to all of a sudden 
you know, in March, goodbye. <laughs> Bye everyone. And, and I, I, and for me, what the expectation was is that I did not have to teach live. I had to teach uh, what's the word asynchronous, asynchronous, asynchronous. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. And, and so I, the way I did it was I just put videos up and I had to have at least 10 to 15 minutes and okay. you just hope that the students Some, somebody's are, looking at it <laughs> right are is going to continue doing that and i could see uh when when students did participate or you know watch my videos and and i couldn't you know follow up and so because of all that you know there was no assessment and right. i didn't give grades at the end of the year as a music teacher that just was just very odd so yeah. um that's how the that's how the year ended it just it just felt very strange mm -hmm. and but i got I guess the benefit from it is um, I got very good at learning how to use our um, LMS, our learning management system. Right. Our particular district uses what's called Canvas. Okay. Uh, I know there's a Blackboard and there's Schoology. And um, so anyway, I got very good at that uh, and to help with what I'm kind of doing now uh, to get those things up and running. And the district did a good job of doing a lot of online training to explain to us, for those of us, of course, the middle school and the high schools teachers were used to using that, right. that those programs for older kids. But with elementary students, you you know there wasn't quite as much of a a need for that. Um, so anyway, that's how the the season the year ended for me. Okay, and then what's the setup now, and who are you teaching, and how's that instruction dispersed to students? Right. So. Uh, you know, compared to a lot of my our friends across the country, I have been very blessed in what I can do. Okay. So when there was a consortium of teachers that were put together for our district to talk about, here's the information we're getting from the CDC, here's the information we're getting from the Indiana State Department of Health, um, and based on those guidelines, what are we going to be allowed to do in school, and specifically okay. in the performing arts? And so thankfully in my district i was able to stay in my room wow i was able to still sing but we had to wear masks all the time i had to have the students uh, socially distance as much as possible in my room i'm able to get them five feet apart i can't do quite six how many kids are in your classes approximately and, and, and that was the other thing so they allowed parents to decide are you going to come back in person or are you going to go virtual? And at least in my school, about 20%, maybe it was more than that, it was 30% of the students of families decided to go virtual. Right. So that allowed our numbers of the classes to be smaller. And so some of my classes were around 20, 21, where normally there would be 27, 28, even maybe up to 29, depending mm. on how many, how many students were in that class right what's interesting with our district is that most districts would reevaluate at the end of the semester so you would make a commitment for the semester and then at the end of the semester like in january you would make it they'd open things up but my district for some reason decided to allow parents to make a change at the nine weeks oh and then and whatever you decide at that nine weeks you have to make the commitment for the rest of the year oh, so we so our, my particular building had um, a big influx and they capped the class sizes at 25. Oh gosh, and that's still a lot of kids though. It is. And the reason why they picked that number was that's how they felt like they could still socially distance enough in the classrooms. And this is the general classroom. 
those classrooms must be very big because we have like eight kids in our classes. <laughs> well, they're not six feet, uh, at least the uh, elementary school students. They're a little bit closer than that. They have all the desks and it looks like a one room schoolhouse. Right. You know, the desks could all be turned and they could do cooperative learning. Right. No straight, more. Yeah. That's right. Straight, straight rows Old in a single school. file line. And, and are you um, doing hybrid or is it our kids coming every day so in the elementary school and most districts around indianapolis our elementary is all day for those that wanted to be in person okay. but then the school districts are offering a virtual option so in our district we have for the uh, general classroom we have specific teachers who are designated virtual teachers and they do teach live Okay. from their classroom right to and, the to the virtual cohorts like correct yes. exactly and then the other students are in person in our building and, and five then days that, I'm sorry, day, five, five days yep all week. okay so you don't have because in our district it's you come in for two days everybody's virtual wednesday right. and then you're asynchronous for two days and that's what they did in the middle school and the high school and eventually in the middle school they were going to go all day live and then the high school they never got to that part yet and of course as you know things are yeah it's not really good in spread. Indiana, no. is it? No, no, it's not. No, we were averaging around um, a thousand, you know, fifteen hundred a day, and the other right. day we had six thousand in oh. the state. So it's yeah, it's really escalating. Oh my goodness. So, um, but for the music part, uh, for the virtual students, they still wanted to have something for those students, and so because some of our school, we have eleven elementaries in our district, okay. because some of us have extra spots because we don't have those classes right we've been given the assignment to then offer something asynchronous for those students so i was designated as the third grade music teacher for the district okay okay i get it and then like my pe teacher was the third grade pe teacher um, and so forth and so again once a week i put up about 10 or 15 minutes of work and I can talk about what I, I'm doing in there if you want, what specifics yeah, I'm kind sure. of focusing on. Um, so being third grade, uh, I want to do the tuneful, beatful, artful thing. So sure. uh, vocalises, you know, still helping those. Because what's interesting about this <laughs> is that a lot of these students don't know me. They're from other schools. Right, right. And so I might, even though we have a great team in my district, you know, everyone's a little bit different and not everyone sure. uses first steps. Right, I was going to uh, ask that. Mm -hmm, some people are all ORF, some people are a, uh, more of a Kodai, traditional Kodai, some of a hodgepodge of things. So I wanted to kind of start with a foundation of just some things. So I did a lot of vocal aids. Uh, in fact, I got a lot of uh, comments back from doing the slide whistle. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> some of those <laughs> students had never experienced that before. Right. And they were like, bring out that slide whistle again. You know, these are third graders. All I, bet they, I bet they were asking their parents <laughs> to buy them. That always happens yeah. to me. So, uh, so I did a lot of those things. And then I, uh, um, you know, fragment singing, uh, simple songs, a lot of move it's of course. Uh, but then I started do working on conversational soulfish. And so I, uh, kind of did a Chris Ann powers way. Right. So I'm doing unit one and unit look at four, you, uh, at the same time. The thing I because... keep promising myself I'm going to do, but I never do. <laughs> Well, again, these are third graders. Sure, and so, sure. you know, if these were just second graders, I probably wouldn't. I maybe have to do some echoing of me, Ray Doe. Right. But I thought, you know, these are third grade and hopefully they've they've done some work right. depending on their teacher. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing right now. But um, so I always have some kind of movement activity uh, following the study beat. Um, 
just for fun, I found a, I don't know if you know Grace Nash. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, she was, you know, one of the quintessential Orff Schulberg people, and she's got all kinds of books that she printed. And I have one of her holiday books. And so I did a body percussion piece all about Thanksgiving. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, something like that where we're doing music and I'll have my three minute where we sing some solfege and my three minutes where we're working on rhythm right. and something as an opener where we're, so I do teach um, rounds in third grade at school with my regular students. And so I taught that song to my virtual students. And then um, I recorded when it was to a, a point where it sounded okay. <laughs> uh, my third graders singing the round. And I said on the video, okay, virtual students, you pick which group you're going to be in. All and right. you try to sing around with us at home. Okay. So, so, that, so that way that child is getting the experience of trying to sing a melody they've learned with. Now they're singing with a recording, of course. Right, right. Um, and they're hearing the harmonies, hopefully, of the three parts. Uh, the song we were doing was, um, well, we've done two. We did uh, All Poor Bird. Okay. And then just recently we did White Sand, Gray Sand. Aw, love that yeah. one. Gosh, yeah. it feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> like back in the old days when we could sing, you're getting to I live know. the old days, which may explain the sudden rise in COVID cases. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This is very fascinating. We have not had not one case in our school district, that, at least in elementary, that I'm aware wow. of, where it's been from student to student. Where it's been happening is where it's happened. They get it at home. And then they bring it in. They bring it in that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, I've not, we've not now granted, they don't tell us everything. Uh, yes. you know, it's a, a need to know basis. Yes. We're but having that same I, experience. Yes. But from what I've heard, um, nothing has been passed on from student to student or staff member to staff That's member great. within our ability. Yeah. It so the masks being careful. Are, right. And of course it's man, everyone has to wear masks in our school and we try to keep the social distancing. And now for my, if you want to go ahead and talk about this in my classroom, just to be on the, again, to be more proactive, um, I have windows that open. Thankfully. That's great. I, I yeah. know some people don't. So I, I crack don't. those open mm -hmm. and I do have a door that uh, goes out to the hallway. And thankfully it hasn't been bothering people. I've been keeping my window, excuse me, my door open to also have continuous flow. Sure. And then I personally invested in a air purifier. Right. I, I have some, that I, too. I did some research on some, you know, what you should definitely have the HEPA and, you know, certain microns and what, how much uh, air does it move cubic feet and so forth. So um, just to do the due diligence and just try to, you know, be proactive and yeah. especially when the aerosol study came out of Colorado. Right. And, the big uh, one. Right. And which I know is a lot of the reasons why a lot of the school districts are not letting people sure. even, even hum. Yep. So that's my anyway. school district. <laughs> That's where we're at right now with COVID. All right. Well, you know, um, I wanted to ask, you said something about your district um, gave you PD. Um, uh, what kind of PD did you have? Because we did not get, we got some PD, right. but wasn't necessarily so, helpful. Yeah, we have a person, a couple people over in central office, and they are our technology coordinators. And they did a great job and put together, um, this was over the summer that they had. So they had a little bit just to get us started for the spring. But then over the summer to get us ready for when, when we knew we were coming back in the fall, they had numerous videos that explained more in depth how to use this learning management system, which again, awesome. we use Canvas. And then I had places where you could go practice and you can, uh, hmm. you could do a call in on a Zoom meeting if you wanted and have more one-on-one input. 
So that, that was very helpful. Um, I, for me, I was already kind of using it, but I know for my, some of my other colleagues who did not really get into using the LMS, that that was very, very helpful. And they're still available to offer that help even now. Hmm. But, but regarding professional development, what's, what's very interesting in our district, but this is before even COVID was happened, was that there was already going to be a change in our school day uh, make it longer in elementary. Well, they were going to do a change in the middle school and high school too, a different start times and specifically to allow the high school to, to start later because you know, the, the research that shows that those high school kids need more sleep. Right. <laughs> so they would start sure. later. Uh, but to extend our elementary school day and specifically uh, for longer recess. Awesome. For the research that shows that kids need to, you know, move and helps brain development. Sure. Um, and allowing us as teachers to have more professional development. So we have now twice a month uh, professional, we call them early start days. So the students come an hour later okay. on two Wednesdays a month. Now, the question was for us as special teachers, are we going to be able to be a part of that? Because uh, back when I first started teaching in our district, we would have professional development days where we just didn't have students at all. And we were able to meet as an elementary music team mm -hmm. and do some sharing and different, yeah. you know, curriculum and whatnot. And over the last seven, eight years, that, that unfortunately that went away. And it just, I don't, I don't know if it's because it was money or if it was just because we were concerned about time. So with these uh, early delays, uh, thankfully, they're allowing us to use one of them of, of the two a month to actually meet as an elementary music team. That's such a great idea. It is. And, and now because we're all used to doing Zoom meetings, right. <laughs> uh, we just Zoom. And um, it's been great to be able yeah. to talk about specifically lately because of COVID and also talking about how are you doing performances at your school and what right. is your principal allowing you to do and um, whatnot. So that's, that's been very, very helpful. That's, that's amazing. I love that idea. Well, you brought up performances. Mm -hmm. I know that um, this is just, I, f I find that so interesting. It's just all over the board uh, for my district. We're not doing anything. Uh, it's just kind of the path of least resistance. I'm happy with that in many ways because just the idea of trying to do something makes me very overwhelmed. And then there are people who are doing these like very complicated, you know, video things and whatever. What are you guys doing? Yes. So I met with my principal at the beginning of the year and, you know, we wanted to be as safe as possible. Sure. But we also wanted to offer to those families that wanted to participate, the possibility of doing so. Um, so the concern, and maybe, maybe you've heard of this term, is potting, P-O-D-D-I-N-G. So at, at recess, uh, we have, right now, we used to have five, but now right now for most of our grade levels, we have four classes of each section of each grade. Oh, yes, so yes, yes. Four sections of fifth grade and so forth. We used to have, have five, but now we're down because of all the students going virtual. So at recess, those classes used to be, you go on the playground and all the kids could mix around with each other. Right. And they can't do that now because of contact tracing. Sure. It's, just, it's impossible to do so. And so the question was, well, what do we do with ensembles? Because normally I would have a choir that had fourth and fifth grade together. And I would do an ORF ensemble that would have fourth and fifth grade together. Right. And so because of that issue, my principal said, well, we're going to have to come up with a new plan. So, um, 
we knew from the aerosol study that they said that if you can to get people and this was also in, uh, suggested by the district when we opened up the school year from that consortium consortium of teachers that were put right. together was if you're going to do a choir rehearsal especially at the elementary school try to do it in the largest room possible well obviously that's the gymnasium yeah so what we decided was we would split the choir by grade i used to do my fourth and fifth graders my choir twice a week we'd have a rehearsal on one morning and another morning and that's what i did for years and years so what we did was we split them up so on tuesday mornings i have fourth grade and on thursday mornings i have fifth grade and then in the gymnasium we split the classes up in the different corners of the gym. Okay. And I was able to get nine feet between students. All right. And 15 feet between classes. Oh, and the rehearsal is only, by the time we get in there and yeah, get everything, get set things up. Right, it's, we're only singing for about 20 minutes right. at the most. Right. Um, and so I knew that one thing is that the number of pieces of repertoire on the concert was going to be a lot lower, which is good because that means sure. the concert's going to be shorter. We want to deal yes. with, yes, you know, <laughs> but at least the kids are doing something. Okay. Um, and so the challenge regarding choir for me is that I have, you know, uh, and this is the other interesting thing. So I had a lot of fourth graders that were on average in my choir I would have a hundred kids. That's what I normally have in the past. Right. And so I have 37 fourth graders that still signed up but fifth grade i only have 15. okay and i think the reason why that is is a lot of those fifth graders had the experience of doing it the normal way last yeah, year yeah i mean it's a big and they're change like, for them it's kind of a letdown where my sure. fourth graders are like let's do Yay. it you know, it's yeah, all new. they don't have any experience right so um so the hardest part regarding rehearsal is they've got masks on and they're sure. so far away yeah <laughs> You can't hear, I, you can't. Exactly. I tell the students that I said, it'd be like trying to paint a picture and put, putting a blindfold on. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because, well, you I, know, as a musician, we use our ears to hear, and I, I, sure. think, I think I can hear you out there, and you're hopefully singing the right I thing. mean, it's like, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around, like, in the gym, you know, with that acoustic, you know, right, kind of right. pouring and, into it. And I and I guess the, the, the key motto for me this year is, you can't have the highest uh, high of expectations. Absolutely. <laughs> um, as long, but again, as long as we're allowed to to whatever that fate safety threshold is, that we're offering something. Mm. And again, I have to keep reminding myself that I have friends around the country that can't do anything. Yeah, that's here we are. Right, and East so Coast. and so at least I'm able to do something in a very safe way that our district's mm -hmm. allowing us to mm -hmm. do. And like I said, not that I'm aware of that we've had any issues with COVID being spread in our from student to student, right. um, we're doing things in a safe way. So I haven't had a choir concert yet, and that's gonna be the stickler because the state of Indiana just announced last week that anything that's kindergarten to 12th grade, the venue can only hold 25%, whatever the right. capacity right, would be. Right, right, 25% so, of that. You know, I've got 50 kids in the choir and oh, generally holds 300 people. So I don't, I think we're gonna have to record that. I, I was just gonna say, do it, mm -hmm. yeah. Now my ORF ensemble, uh, we also did potting, but I do that rehearsal in my music room because that's where the ORF instruments are. So we decided to only do two classes at a time. Okay. So I have four fourth grade and four fifth grade. So we would pair them up and we would split the room in half. So I'd keep, you know, Mrs. Smith's students sure. on this side of the room and Mrs. Jones students on this side of the room. 
And when it was time to play xylophones, I just reeled the instruments over to them. And of course, we'd sanitize everything. Oh, my word. Um, That's so and the, so the, so we, and, and the other thing is, instead of doing a whole year, they would get five weeks. Okay. Just because how it worked out. So I thought, okay, I'll pick three pieces. I did a body percussion piece. I did a, a xylophone piece and I did a drumming piece. So I had two fourth grade classes, did five weeks, 12 kids, only 12 kids signed up. And it was great. They did a great job. And we, we socially distanced all the parents in the gym. They had to pick their own chair up. Right. And, I, and we, I even recorded it and put it on Canvas. So if other families wanted to see it, because we obviously couldn't perform oh, for the cool. school. Um, but what's interesting, after doing all this and talking to the other 10 elementaries in my district, no one else is doing live performances. I, I, I was just going to ask. <laughs> I'm the only one. But like I said, choir is probably not going to be live. So everyone else, like you said, uh, some people are just doing basic, just recording. Some yep. people are doing major splicing oh, and cutting and no. all kinds of bells and whistles, which is not Fantastic for them, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I'm wondering about how people, like the listeners are hearing this. And I'm. this is just like everything. We have a spectrum of people listening. You have me, I'm, I'm like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing any right. of that. And I'm just hearing what you're saying. And it's like, part of me is amazed. And part of me is thinking like, this would never fly in my district sure. because they're so right. strict. And, and I understand it. Like right. we can't even, we, so like the idea of like bringing parents into the building, we're not even doing that. So right. it's so interesting I mean, this is like everything in our country. You know, everybody is doing different stuff. And different so things, right. it's fantastic uh, that you're doing that. And if you're listening and you feel bad, don't. This is, it, it's just, I mean, think about what you just said. Even in your own, you know, everything's cohort to me lately. In your own, you know, group of educators, you know, music teachers, everybody's doing something different. Right. You know, and so to me, I think like, the idea of first you have the idea of the safety, but then you have the idea of like all the like machinations that you have to do. Like all everything you did is so amazing to me. Like I admire that you would do that. I would just be like, no, I can't, you know, put that group over there and that group. It just would be like, nope. Right. I, and, so, and, I, and again, I, that was the thing that I had to mentally work through on myself was yeah. where where was I comfortable for my own safety Sure. and the safety of my students? And could I at least do, and if I was okay with meeting in some way, with being okay by the district, could I still, to some degree, do something musical that I yeah. thought would be beneficial for the students? And, no, I think it's fantastic. And it's, so at this point, uh, things things have been going okay. Uh, and it's right. gonna be, what, what's gonna really be interesting is the choir concert just because all the students will be socially distanced with masks on and how that's going to sound. But, but yeah. at least um, I know that there, and I have to remind myself that it's not just the end product. It's also the process. And so right. knowing that these students are getting growth in their singing ability or playing ability um, or offering something. And, and when I say that what I'm doing, I don't want anyone to feel pressured that what you're doing is not adequate. Sure. Um, sure. Because there's other, probably other places that are, doing even more than I'm doing right, it, right. It, things are more relaxed at those states. So you, I, I guess my recommendation is you need to obviously see what you're expecting with your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, what you can do in your right. district. And then you need to come to a place of what can you think you can offer to your students the best and then be okay with that. 
Um, it was interesting. I, I was talking to my principal the other day and I said, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but I actually am not as stressed this year. Wow. I know this is, this sounds weird because most of <laughs> them are like, ah, you know, they're going crazy, but I actually don't feel as stressed this year, I guess, because the expectations are lower. Sure. No, there is definitely that at work. Right. Because you can't do as much as you normally would. Yeah. And I, not that I'm not trying to give my excellence in my classroom and whatnot, but I just know that I know that I can't expect to get things as done as much in the classroom too, because You've got to sanitize this. And yeah, no, I mean, got, there's so got, right. much, so much of a dance going on. Well, it reminds me of when I first started working and when I got there, they told me anything you do will be good because we've had nothing before. So you kind of have that sense of like, I could kind of do anything and it's going to be better than nothing in the best kind of way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, but we can't compare it to the past um, because it's just so incredibly different. I was just talking to a former student teacher um, who's just extremely stressed out. And I think it's just, I feel like I'm saying this so much. It's, I, you know, it's like, what about, and I'm going to ask you about this in a minute. What would I do about first steps? What do I do about, and I say, you know, I'm just going to, this is my approach. I know there are people who are moving their instruction forward, but my personal um, approach is due to my situation. And that is, it's almost all off the table. It's more like I'm doing conversational soulfish and first step things. I can't do everything because we can't sing. And what the um, live virtual kids get has to be the same as what the live in-person kids get. So I can't be singing with one group and not singing with the other group. And so what I say is, I'll do conversational soulfish stuff, but my personal approach is, I'm not looking to forward things. It's more like, I'm just considering this like a prep year for next year. So everything I give them, um, if it's engaging, is something very positive for them. And that's what I want to offer them. And hopefully just keeps this stuff in their musical brain <laughs> until next year when we take off. So for you, um, and you're allowed to sing, so this is a, a big differential, but there are people out there who are also allowed to sing with masks, or w I know lots of people like in Georgia who are singing no masks, no, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Um, <laughs> how are you approaching first steps and, and conversational solfege? And do you feel like you're having, honest to goodness, forward motion in these programs? Great question. I think the hardest thing that I am for me now, again, I know, like I think of my good friend, Craig Knapp in New York and the mm. limits that he can't do right. anything and Betsy right. Green up in Vermont mm. and so forth. So when I say these things that I feel bad, I can't do these. I also have in context that I know I'm, I've got it pretty good, but <laughs> right. the thing that I really miss is some of the community aspect because I, I can't have kids really close to each other. I have right. to be socially oh, distanced. I hate that. Um, and I know things have become a little bit more lax on that just because I watched, I have, I have recess duty now oh boy. <laughs> for the first time. So I get to watch them interact with each other. Of course they're outside. So it's a little bit different because you've got outdoor yeah. air. Um, but so 
we, you know, I haven't really done a true folk dance with anybody yet, just because yeah, of nobody the, has. The I feel right, like. the close proximity. So the community part of that, of like working one on one, really close to a person. I've had students do things with each other, but they're doing it from a distance. Yeah, you know, they yeah. mirror movement, those kind of things with each other, and we're of course making music as a group, where you know we all have rhythm sticks, or we each have a hand drum after it's been cleaned or we take turns on the xylophones and so forth. So we're making music as a community that way, but the interaction that you have in a folk dance mm. or a singing game um, is, is that's the part that I'm missing. So yeah, sure. regarding moving ahead on singing ability, I think I'm able to, of course, that's thankfully is able to happen. Um, and literacy is happening, obviously in conversational solfege. Um, and of course, <laughs> movement is happening yeah we're gonna have the best movers by the yes. end of this we're doing a lot of movement <laughs> yeah and sure. and i and i guess that's good you know the student i guess as you were saying like this is a prep year you know this is a year that's just going to be very heavy on listening to really good music and right. moving to it yep uh for the beat and also for form and expression yeah and um and maybe just even you know talking more about music uh, There's a lot components. more of that in my classroom this year, right. and I'm I'm happy about. It. It's kind of like permission to do these things that if I had a ton of time in a normal year, I would do. And now, now I just have to deal with the guilt of not doing the doing as much. And it's so funny because I'm always talking to teachers about this, but I have to say it to myself, like this is where we are this year, and right. it's okay. So, yeah. So for me, uh, yes, I think I'm able to move things along. It's just the community aspect of the one-on-one -on -one or you know, working individually with another person or having that aspect is I miss. Sure. Uh, where we can't make a long way set and, you know, sashay together and. Yeah. And, and those kind of things. So, um, but other than that, it, it, you know, for me, I am able to, and I was really, I was concerned about that because I thought maybe I'd have more of those stricter parameters as some right. of the other folks. And and I would make it work as best as I could. And and again, just know that the, that's the situation I'm in and what can I offer my students to still be musical. Um, I know David Ranking has talked about um, where he would record himself singing mm -hmm. and then they, at least they're audiating or yes. interhearing. We, that's right. what we're doing. It's right. a lot so of audiation. Do you think at least there's... Which, you know, if you think about it, is if you're a true fireman person, you sing for the class, not with the class. Yeah, it's, and, the, it's the pinnacle of that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, as we know, if you teach that way, the miracle of it, you sing the song two or three lessons and they're playing the game. And all of a sudden, the fourth lesson, you say, OK, you sing the song and boom, there it is. Right. So you think you just, you just have to say, now go to do this at home. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you think you know, it's it's also happening still. Right. It's just that you as the teacher are not getting the benefit necessarily of hearing them as a group sing it for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think there are ways uh, to do it. It's just sometimes it's hard to find it when you feel like so restricted. And yeah. um, I just think it's so interesting. You know, like I said, the people in Georgia singing no or masks are optional i should say masks are optional but of course that means many kids coming in with no masks um social distancing you know i just talked to somebody in pennsylvania who has 28 kids hmm. uh average in their class so I, there's just all kinds of zaniness going 
Uh, my district, it's going well because the class sizes are so small and our day is shorter. So in retrospect, you know, looking back on the decisions our district made, these were pretty good, you know, to protect the kids. But it's just really hard, and I'm glad it's it's starting to end, but we've been able to go outside a lot. So what I've been doing is a lot of audiating of things like recordings, playing it in the class and showing them, and then taking them outside, and then we can really space out there, and yeah. then they sing it out there, and then I say, this is kind of just what I want you to do all the time. I want you to go to your driveway and play this game with your friends and sing. That's um, excellent. So there are ways to do it, but boy, it feels hard. And, you know, as you mentioned, there, there are tons of people who f are feeling this pressure. And so I, I'm asking most people this, too. You know, what words of encouragement do you as a, you know, you're a famed teacher trainer and you have these fire-robbing people who are out there trying so hard and feeling frustrated. Um, what kind of encouragement do you have for these teachers who are struggling and feeling kind of, you know, like they're not doing anything good. Yeah. That, and, and, and what's hard about that is that we're the only one in our building. Yep. And, and of course you have other special teachers, but you know, specifically regarding music. So you already feel alone yep. and you're going through something that you've, that it's new for everybody. Right. Um, yeah. That, that I, I totally understand how challenging and difficult uh, that could be. Um, I, I, I guess to try to have, and I don't know if you ever use these terms besides having a fixed mindset, having a growth mindset, Sure. um, meaning that, okay, so maybe you're not going to be able to have your students be able to sing a three part round, but what can you do musically with them mm -hmm. over the next month and, and, and try that. And did you see growth? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you're a parent, you know, when your child is growing around you, you don't really see it. But until grandma and grandpa come over and say, wow, look how big you are. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I would say you have to somehow have some kind of a assessment, you know, uh, formal or whatever, just so you okay, what are they starting at? And then and then you can celebrate that, even mm -hmm. if it's something small, knowing that, OK, at least they were able to. And I guess another way you could find out, we haven't really talked about this is, and I, so some of my friends are doing this, is where the students would uh, record themselves at home. Yes, and or using could, Seesaw or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, and then that's another way you could at least hear them and you could see or is their growth regarding what you've been teaching them. Hmm. Um, I, I guess one thing that has been helpful for me is because of the technology, I have connected more with teachers Yes. like what you and I are doing right ever more than ever. And Absolutely. I, and that has also been encouraging talking to people, getting ideas, sharing thoughts. Uh, you know, it's one thing just to type things on social media, which of course right. is a great uh, way too, but having this face to face conversation. Yeah. This way, I think is also very helpful uh, because that way you can, really talk and see each other and yeah so and, I guess it, and feign real interaction with right each other. and so I, I guess that would be another encouragement is or recommendation if you can find another person that teaches similar to you in your district or in your state I guess and have some of these type of conversations hmm. um, that might be helpful too to just to know that you're not alone 
Yeah, you're not right. the only one that's going through this, but that's um, for sure. I guess I guess what the hope is, even though it seems like it's going on and on and on, <laughs> it seems like it's that, never going to happen. As <laughs> um, Dr. Fauci even said the other week, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So oh, it's it's so <laughs> dim, Andy. I know. <laughs> it's like um, so. I I I keep I probably have talked about it already on the podcast, but I keep thinking of the difference between me in like may and me in october so in mm-hmm. may i was like guys you know yeah it stinks it's weird but it's gonna be okay we're gonna get through this totally believing that now i'm more like theoretically <laughs> we at there will be a time and it's so funny it's almost like thankfully there's still part of me that's like that's going to be true, but there's this stronger part of me now that's like, it's never good. We're always going to be doing this. And I keep talking about things like when the kids see a video of kids um, dancing and singing and we all have the same response. We're kind of like, what are they doing? Why are you touching? Don't you're too, they're too close, Dr. Strong. <laughs> like it just happened the other day. I showed them this, this folk dance and they were freaking out. And I was like, remember kids, we we're just doing this last year. And they're like, right. we, we were? I said, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. Um, before I let you go, what's going on with the Orf and Fire Robin and Conversational Soul Fetch book? Great question. Uh, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now. Uh, we were working on it, gangbusters. Oh, uh, COVID. Stuff. Stupid COVID. Yeah. It just, uh, for those of us... Um, and one of our writers, he's a new uh, um, superintendent, just a superintendent. And oh. so he had a lot going yes. on. Yes. <laughs> They're kind role. of busy and stressed right. out now. And we have one person on the committee who is a professor in a university. And right. obviously with all that going on, but how's the mm. university going to work? So we just kind of had to put a hiatus on on that. But it's still in the it's works. It's going to happen. It's Wait, hopefully going it, to happen. Is it like dancing? It sh- <laughs> theoretically, this book is definitely going to come. Right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Because I don't, sure. I personally have not talked about it a lot. So let let everyone know what it's going to be. So, and, that, and it's that's also been, you know, we kind of have changed here and there how we want to approach it. But sure. uh, the, you know, the, the tricky thing is, you know, who's going to pick up this book? Is it going to be a fire oven person or is it going to be an orf person? Or is it going to be both? Right. And and so how do we uh, have someone who is very comfortable with offshore work, but want to know a little bit more about this fire oven conversational soul fetch, or vice versa? Or vice person versa. That, person That's that me. knows CS really well. <laughs> right. Right. So we're looking at it. Uh, the main part of the book is going to be going through um, the different steps. And let's see, I want to make sure I've got this right, because we did have use units and steps. Um, I, th- I think it's uh, looking at the different steps. Okay. Um, and then how can you take a piece uh, out of John's, like, um, you know, some of his uh, folk songs. Right. Um, and how can you then apply an ORF thing to that, you know, some ORF activities? Um, we've also, um, you know, I'm going to back up here. I think we went back to units because because <laughs> uh, some of the things that I had put in that I had uh, submitted to the book was pieces out of the Orf Schulberg. So things out of the volumes, okay. out of Rhythm Machine Ubung, out of the Spiel. 
And then this where is me would, pretending to know what that is. Yeah, the, these are oh, these are these are the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, R, we call it RU for short. Oh yes, of course. Oh, I call that say. Rutgers University, but you know whatever. <laughs> I'm it's, not it's, a North it's, a, it's a little book that's all full of body percussion. Okay, is what it is, and where um, certain pieces could be used for certain units. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so that's looking at like take these ORF things. And put them right. into exactly. It would be fish. like um, doing a more about, or excuse me, a doing a more doing more music. So right. here's an here's an orf activity that you could then use to enhance what you're already doing in the yes, conversational solfege. Um, so and then we're going to probably have some model lessons in it, uh, examples, and just like they did in the first steps in orf Schulberg. So there's some model things in there that you can use. Okay. So at least that's that's the plan, right? Uh, and we're going to have a, a very good glossary to explain a lot of the terminology that might be new to people, yes, um, that they've not heard before, especially in both worlds, right? That's um, me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we hope it'll be a resource that uh, you could easily go to a particular section of the book and look for something that you could use in the classroom, right? Uh, but it could also be something that you would read through cover to cover and get a gist of of the two. Um, okay. Or Schulwerk is a little bit more open-ended, I guess you could say. Sure. I mean, you know, obviously with conversational solfege, there's definitely a order. Right. Uh, there's, a, you know, as as John's because you know there's a scaffolding. So we, you know, we have to be true to that part of John's work to make sure that what we're adding to it is still there with the twelve steps and sure. understanding how the units are in order and and things that way. So whereas with Or Schulwerk, you have the the elements of you know, body percussion and text and singing and instruments and and those uh, those components that how you can use them within conversational soulfish. So um, we hope that it will be very helpful for people on both sides. Andy, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back at another point. I want to talk to you about um, Ed Gordon's PMMA because I know you're doing some stuff with that and you use it yeah. regularly. It would yeah. be cool to have maybe you and Chris Ann. You guys know a lot about PMMA. I used to know a lot about it, but it's been so long. But I would love to talk about that and assessment because you guys are really, really good at that. So I hope you'll come back. Happy to do so. And thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And it's always great talking with you, Missy. It's amazing to consider how different teaching is going all over the United States, and I'm sure the world, during COVID. So many differences, so many things um, that we're teaching in similar ways and very different ways. Thank you, Andy, for spending some time and a huge congrats on being selected as IMEA's Outstanding Elementary Educator for 2021. You definitely deserve it. The super fun theme music for the Music Ed Amplified podcast features music students from my school, Fleetwood Elementary, and was composed and performed by my husband, Jeremy, and son, Owen Strong. Would you be willing to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen and maybe even share it with others? This, as I keep saying, is the best way to get these important discussions out to more and more people so we can make real change in the profession and encourage more music teachers. As always, I thank you for spending time with me. I hope that you've been encouraged, supported, and inspired, and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. 
I'll see you next time. But until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, their families, and the community. Thank you.